Welcome to Neighborly. Deep End. House number 23. Little Street. Number 23 was always Rena's house. She said it was lucky, house number 23, like something from a fantasy. She was always saying things were lucky. Sun shining while it rains? Oh, how lucky. Birds watching her through the window as she woke up? Well, clearly they were harbingers of lucky events to come. She believed in the kindness of the universe with such unwavering faith that it betrayed her desperation. These things needed to be an omen of luck, indisputable proof that fate was smiling upon them all, and that everything would be not just fine, but great. Poor, unlucky Rena. She believed, and then she was killed. You do remember that awful business back in house number six, don't you? All those bodies? It was a bright day, the sun glinting on the brown tiles of the roof of 23. The house could feel that the warmth. It was drowsy but comfortable in its skin, stretching out the rafters and columns in the cool morning daylight. There was a bird on the roof, and the house tolerated its presence out of habit, and there. Just like every morning, tiny fingers unlatching the bedroom windows and throwing them open, inviting the whispering breeze inside. Bare feet went pitter-pattering on the landing. Steam poured out of the showers. Precipitation rolled down the tiles. Hangers slid in the closet, and through it all, music surrounded everything that happened in the house. It was a good house. It was a happy house. And then the door clicked shut, and the house waited in silence. Waited through the blazing sun and long shadows in silence. Waited deep into the blue of nightfall. If you say something often enough, eventually the things that listen start to believe it. It sinks down into their marrow, a ringing in their head, an echo in the foundations. And in this case, 23 listened to its owner. And it loved her. It listened to her tell it that it was lucky, lucky 23, and when she didn't return, it waited. Rena always returned, she had to. She would walk through the door any minute now and put down her bags and everything would be all right. It was a bright day, the sun glinting on the brown tiles of the roof of 23. The house could feel that, the warmth. It was drowsy but comfortable in its skin, stretching out the rafters and columns in the cool morning daylight. There was a bird on the roof, and the house tolerated its presence out of habit, and there, just like every morning, tiny fingers unlatching the bedroom windows and throwing them open, inviting the whispering breeze inside. Bare feet went pitter-pattering on the landing. Steam poured out of the showers. Precipitation rolled down the tiles. Hangers slid in the closet and threw it all. Music surrounded everything that happened in the house. It was a good house. It was a happy house. And then the door clicked shut and the house waited in silence. Waited. Through the blazing sun and long shadows in silence. Waited deep into the blue of nightfall. It was a bright day. It was a bright day. It was a bright day. All through the cold winter and snow, it was a bright day, the sun glinting on the brown tiles of the roof of 23. The house could feel that, the warmth that was drowsy but comfortable in its skin. It was a bright day. 
That was what C entered their sister's house into. They couldn't tell at first what was wrong with the shower. Why the kitchen smelled of toast. Why the latches of the windows didn't seem to stay shut, forever open, inviting bugs and dust onto the furniture. And through it all, it was a bright day, even though it clearly wasn't. C woke up in the morning and it was a bright day, the sun glinting on the brown tiles of the roof at 23. The house could feel that, the warmth, it was drowsy but comfortable in its skin, stretching out the rafters and columns in the cool morning daylight. There was a bird on the roof and the house tolerated its presence out of habit. And there, just like every morning, tiny fingers unlatching the bedroom windows and throwing them open, inviting the whispering breeze inside. Was the house haunted by their sister? Didn't getting revenge on the murderer usually help ghosts achieve peace? Was she here, as every morning without fail C put away washed glasses and spoons, watching but unable to speak? Sometimes they thought they could almost see her, as if the space around her had been clearly defined enough to conjure her there. Her absence a presence in and of itself. Because this was her house. It was her tiles in the dryer every morning and her pictures on the table, no matter what C seemed to do, no matter how many times they put it all away, it was always there like an open, bleeding wound. They couldn't live like this. It was getting ridiculous. It was a bright day, the sun glinting on the brown tiles of the roof of 23. The house could feel that, the warmth. It was drowsy but comfortable in skin, stretching out the rafters and columns in the cool morning daylight. There was a bird on the roof. It felt like an intrusion. This wasn't their house or place or life. If Rainer hadn't been killed, then C wouldn't even be here. They would be at their old apartment, working in their old job. They should have visited more back when she was still alive. Coming over weekends and birthdays and holidays, scraped together the money for the ticket somehow, but Rena seemed happy on the phone. And she thought they would have the rest of their life to talk to their sister. If she was haunting the house, it felt wrong to ask her to leave. They missed her. They had spent so long in her absence, letting go of that too felt like a betrayal. The days were bright. But the chill of the outside world that the house kept at bay came creeping in during the night. Like 23 was tired of holding up the sky. So you woke up in their bed, sheets plastered through their skin, unable to breathe, a cold heaviness all around them, dragging them down like fingers. This was what they got. They were here when she was not. This was not their house, and... 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 It wasn't fair. The salt water filled the room, sloshing in from burst pipes in the corner of the roof, pouring down to drown the person in Rena's bed, send them away, replace them, use them to pay the price to get her back. It wasn't fair. It wasn't fair. It wasn't fair. It was not a bright day, and she still wasn't home. C sat up, gasping for breath. The house was exhausted from trying to drown them. It would be okay. Tomorrow would be a bright day. The sun would glint on the brown tiles of the roof of 23. The house knew that. It would do this over and over again until it got the day right, and Rena came home. It was another week of this before C finally brought Maria into the house, confessing that they were being haunted, truth spilling over the kitchen table. Maria frowned hearing that. She had a coldness to her step when she walked in. The house didn't like her. Ghosts don't exist, she said. It's more complicated than that. I haven't seen the ghost, but everything has moved as if it's there, she explained. Who did they think they were bringing strangers into this house? They were throwing off the pattern. Are you sure it's not the house? Maria asked. The house. 
Seeing their blank expression, Maria laughed, the sound tinkling through the empty corridors like a death knell. It's more plausible than a ghost. Look, Dorothy's daughter can't even be seen from the window, and she's just there outside. It's this street, I think. Or neighborhood. The houses are strange here. They're hungry. You just have to train them to eat from your palm and not someone else's. They can't think, darling. They can't make sense of it all. It's pure emotion. I learned about that in class the other day. See, hmmed, as Maria added a spoonful of sugar to the tea and passed it to her. You're brilliant, they said, and Maria laughed again. That night, C sat at the foot of their bed, and when the water poured in from the roof, they stood up, walking towards the walls and laying a cold, clammy hand on it. I know you're sad, they said. The water continued trickling down the walls. I miss her, too. She was my sister first, and now she's... dead. Dead? What was death to a house? What was more important is that she wasn't home, wasn't here. It was someone's fault that she wasn't here, and there was an imposter in her bed that felt like her, but not really. It was her, but wrong. They kept everything in the wrong place and shifted everything and prevented her from coming back. I understand that you're sad, but we're all that's left of her, Sea soldiered on. The insipid water poured in faster, pooling around their feet. It was warm tonight, seeping down the walls of their house. She loved you. She spent so much time here. She loved this place very much. Her pride and joy. I would... Their voice broke, sharp, over the edges of secrets previously unsaid. I would give anything to get her back. Sometimes I can't even forgive Maria for her ignorance and all, for letting it happen. Why didn't no one step in? Why didn't no one help? It's not fair. She was my sister, and now she's gone, and she's never coming back. All I have left is this house I can't exercise, because I'm afraid that would be murdering her all over again. I want her back, but that's not happening. No matter what you do, or what I do. Their tears were hot on their cheeks, matching the house. The water didn't stop running down the walls, but the pool on the floor slowly drained away. And C sat there in their soaking pajamas, sobbing with their house. Because nothing else could help. Pretending they were okay didn't help, and repeating the day didn't help, and no one else understood what it was like, and everything was wrong. It was their job to protect their baby sister, and they had failed in the worst possible way, so there was nothing else to do but sit with this grief that was larger than they were, alone in an empty, haunted house. It was a cold day, midwinter dew on the brown tiles of the roof of twenty-three. The house could feel that, the trickling cold. It was miserable in the piercing cold, shivering, shaking out the rafters and columns in the morning grayness. There was a bird on the roof, and the house tolerated its presence out of habit. C sat up from where they had fallen asleep the previous night, all curled up on the floor. The windows were closed, and they were cold. The windows were closed. The windows were never closed. Why were the windows closed? The shower wasn't steaming. 
The radio was off, and everything was how they had left it the previous night. Their pajamas were still damp. They walked through the house, checking every room one by one, and there wasn't a single thing out that they hadn't left themselves. The house was quiet. Their sister was gone. The last vestiges of her touch had faded away. The house had finally let her go. C opened the kitchen drawer, and there was Rena's mug, washed and inside just how they left it. It would no longer appear in the sink waiting for them to wash it every morning. This isn't what I wanted, they said, tearing up as they fell to their knees in the middle of the kitchen. You didn't have to get rid of her. I just wanted you to stop trying to drown me. Please, get her back. I can't let her go as yet. Please. But a haunting is a switch. You are only ever haunted where you are not. There are no states in between these two, and the house remained quiet in its infinite stillness. The coin had been tossed and it had landed heads up. It would always land heads up. Neighborly is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 international license. Today's house was written by A. Gabrielle and edited by Emily Loris and Matthew K. Smith, with music by Alex Schwartz and art by Cloudy Apple Art. The narrator is voiced by Matthew K. Smith. To find out more, visit neighborlypod.card.co or follow us on social media at neighborlypod. If you enjoyed listening today, information on how you can support us will be included in the episode description. Most of all, we would appreciate it if you told a friend, because they might tell a friend, and they might tell a friend, and who knows? Eventually, God might finally listen to us. Today's poster of Walter reads, Have you seen him? Now you have. Thanks for listening. Come back soon. I swear, official. I'm gonna What's have to fight. in such a mood. Mr. M33 John Doe. We can't talk about it here. This guy might wake up. This guy's not waking up anytime soon. He's in a no. coma. How I many times know. do I have to tell I you know, no? I won't do it. Part, but I sometimes think I'm the only one to tell. Pants. A clue. Fine. This is is there anyway, right? Okay. <laughs> He's definitely in what a coma. What is the coma patient doing out here? Patient33 is available on all podcatchers today. Visit patient33.com for transcripts and more information. Patient33. Welcome to the hospital. <laughs>